Hi, welcome to 10 Minute Treadmill Stories. Hi, I'm Stacy. I'm Jonah. New stories Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Stacy and Jonah at gmail.com if you want to hit us up with a story you think we should hear. Today, Stacy, I want to tell you about Julie Daubigny, the cross dressing, opera singing, sword dueling, bisexual globetrotter of the 1600s. Oh my God. A life fully lived was Julie Daubigny's. She was born in Paris in the 1670s. And she grew up middle class and had a lot of advantages other people couldn't uh, get, like reading and, and different culture classes. Her father worked as a secretary to the Count of Armagnac, who was the horse master for Louis XIV. So he had connections and they had some money. Her father was also known as a skilled swordsman and a sword duelist and passed this talent down to his daughter. He was also a womanizer, a trait that we soon will learn was also passed down to his daughter. <laughs> oh, man. But <laughs> even though dueling became outlawed in the 1600s in France, Julie still trained and she still dueled. She was so good, in fact, that she would take all comers, including men, and would fight them with no advantage and still beat them, something that was rather unheard of in those days. Her turbulent life included a storied and complicated love life as well as a fighting life, and Julie became the mistress of the Count of Armagnac at the young age of 15. Mm. It's France, and it's the 1600s. It kept on for years, even though it seemed like the Count arranged for her to marry another man so she would appear to be an honest woman. But virtually immediately after that wedding, the Count moved her husband to the south of France to work on taxes or something, and Julie continued on with the Count. It's so funny that the solution is to lie to make someone appear to be an honest woman. That is funny. <laughs> <laughs> that is not the first time this happens in the story, and actually this one is by far the most normal example, so you oh. just hold on. Okay. <laughs> Soon after, uh, I guess Julie and this Count parted ways, she fell in love with a fencing instructor named Saran. Now, they soon had to flee Paris because Saran got into an illegal duel and killed somebody. Mm. So they hit the road. They were on the run from the law. A little Bonnie and Clyde style. <laughs> Julie and Saran would give dueling exhibitions and also sing in taverns to make money. She was not only a talented duelist, but she was naturally talented as a singer as well. She also, at this stage of her life, began cross-dressing. Not just for added safety like some women did of the time when they were traveling. As we learned and will learn, Julie can fend for herself quite well, but also just to express herself. She never attempted to hide the fact she was a woman. She just wore men's clothes because that's what she was into. As one story goes, someone was watching their fencing exhibition and they said, no woman could be that skilled. You're pretending to be a woman. You are most clearly a man. And that's when she decided to rip open her top, show everyone her chest and prove to the crowd that she was indeed a woman. I like it. I feel like if they made pants for women in those days, she wouldn't have cross-dressed. She would have just worn fucking pants. <laughs> Quite possibly, but it also seemed like she liked to stir stuff up. And if, if half of this is true, 
she seemed to like to get like under men's skin. So I think subverting their own style or like dressing like a man, but being a woman, but doing everything they could do, but doing it better, including hitting on women, uh, was like something that really got her going. That's funny. I like it. Then she became an opera singer. Like I said, a storied life. She was gifted with a beautiful voice and joined the Marseille School of Music, where she quickly became a star. But this was short-lived because, once again, she found love. This time, it was with a young woman who was a fan of her work in the opera named Cecilia, and they began a love affair. Okay. And she's still married, and she's also still the mistress of the Count. You know, I think her and the Count are on a break currently. Uh, I no <laughs> word if she is still married to the guy doing taxes in the south of France. Got it. Um but it, it's, it's real hard to keep track of everything young Julie was doing. But these women, again, she was very flagrant with everything she did. So they didn't keep this relationship a secret. And when Cecilia's mother found out, she sent her away to live in a convent to protect the family's reputation. Okay. As if that would stop Julie. Right. So what did Julie do? Well... As the story goes, she visited the convent under the pretext of wanting to join. There, they resumed their affair while they planned an escape for Cecilia. Oh, my goodness. Allegedly, this opportunity presented itself with the death of an elderly nun. Again, if this is to be believed, their plan, which they carried out, consisted of digging up the nun's body placing it in Cecilia's room and then setting the room on fire in hoping that it would be assumed that Cecilia died in a fire and no one would look after her when she ran away. Oh my God, that is morbid. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> kind of surprisingly though, investigators kind of figured out what happened. They also assumed that Julie was behind the plot and they put out a warrant for her arrest. Surprise, surprise, she did not show up when that warrant was issued, and they ended up trying her in absentia. And they also tried her as a man to still protect the other girl's family's reputation. And since she didn't show up, the man, that was actually Julie, was sentenced to death. Wow. You got to be present to be killed, though. And like I said, Julie was nowhere to be found. Now, it seemed like uh, their love affair was as hot and as quick as the burning blaze they set together because soon afterwards, her and Cecilia parted ways. Cecilia returned to her family and Julie went back to Paris and joined back in with the opera in 1690, even though there was still a warrant out for her arrest and then subsequently a desire to kill her. Luckily, she was still close with the Count of Armagnac, Maybe not his mistress anymore, but she used her connection with him and then his connection to the king to get the king to, in fact, pardon her. So she's living free and clear in Paris. Didn't change her ways, however. She still continued to basically duel anybody that would cross her path. And as well, uh, she would bet about the same number and variety of people. Another story goes that a lead actor in the company in Paris uh, was a jerk and got into an argument with Julie. And he was, whatever they were doing, they were about to get physical until the squabble was broken up. That didn't stop Julie. In fact, she waited for him outside in the public square, dressed as a man, then beat him up and stole his watch. Oh my God. The next day, 
She overheard him telling a story about how he was attacked by three men, but he was able to fight them off. And she interrupted and said, don't you mean one man? And don't you mean me? <laughs> by the way, here's your watch back. <laughs> ah, this is funny. <laughs> Another story goes in 1696, uh, she was attending a ball dressed as a man and started flirting with a woman that three other men were attempting to court. They got mad. She said, why don't we take it outside? And she beat them each in turn in a duel. Wow. Then she went back inside and told the Duke, uh, there's some men out there that need medical attention, and then bounced. It's so crazy how current this story sounds. Everything you've said, like, <laughs> it just sounds current. It's crazy. Well, she's not done yet, because then, just in case the king or the Duke decided that it wasn't funny, that a plucky woman decided to injure three men in a duel, she moved to Brussels, where she had an affair with the Elector of Bavaria. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> apparently, he tried to end the relationship with her by giving her a gift of 40,000 francs, which she refused by taking that bag of coins and chucking it at the messenger's crotch. She then returned back to Paris, where she again acted and sung and hit the peak of her fame. She even performed at Versailles. She kept fighting and loving... And in 1703, she fell in love again with reportedly the most beautiful woman in France. Now, this two-year relationship was said to be Julie's longest, and perhaps she had finally found love. Unfortunately, you said that this sounds like it happened today and not in the 16 or 1700s. But here we go, bringing you back to the early 1700s. Julie's love died from a fever. Aww. And only two years were spent together. This caused Julie to uh, retreat from social life. She stopped acting and singing. And in fact, she moved to a convent where she died just a few years later at the age of, given everything I've told you, Stacey, what age did Julie die, if you want to guess? 37. 33. Oh, my God. I was guessing young, too. Jeez. Right? She did all that allegedly, and died at 33. No cause of death was able... I was about to talk like Yoda. Was able for me to find. I couldn't <laughs> find a cause of death. And again, um, a book was written about... Um, a fictional book was written about a main character that was based on Julie. Okay. So everywhere I look are disclaimers of like, not everything can be totally substantiated, and obviously a lot of this stuff sounds like it's out of a book. However... From my research, that's the story of Julie Daubigny. That was delightful. 